Hello and welcome back to today's episode of the IVSA Livecast. I hope you all had an enjoyable week and are looking forward to the weekend. Today I'm joined by Matt Dickinson who will be talking about career diversifying and his experience of moving from veterinary into human pharma. Thank you Matt for joining us today. I hope so. So it would be great if you could start by talking through your career to date, you know, from vet school to working in practice and now to your current position. Yeah, so um, I, I guess where for me uh, the diversification all began was during vet school. Um, so I, I intercalated between my third and my fourth year uh, at the University of Bristol. I intercalated in virology and immunology. And that was a one year of my time to join the third year of, a, of the program. Um, and the lectures were all on uh, human diseases, human viruses. And that got me a really big interest in um, HIV, uh, Ebola, viruses like that. And it involved a, a small research project, which lasted about uh, 12 weeks in, in a lab. And then upon finishing that, I went back and completed my uh, vet degree graduated Bristol in 2015 um, and then I went into practice for full-time practice for about a year and a half uh, up north where, where I'm from and that was a very uh, you know standard good small animal vet job uh, there's about maybe eight or nine vets on the team I worked one weeknight on call one weekend in six or something on call with good support and it was a really good first job and I'd done EMS there so I knew that it was a good practice uh, but after doing that for about a year and a year or so, I always felt that I, I had an interest still in, in virology and immunology. And I'd always thought that I kind of wanted to potentially do something else as, as well as, as be a vet. And then sort of natural next step for me was to apply for PhDs. So at that point, I applied for quite a few PhD programs around the country and I got interviewed, uh, invited to interview for, for a couple of them. And one of them was uh, in an HIV lab in Oxford uh, for a, a viral immunology PhD. Uh, and then I was uh, successful in getting that. And then I, I started that in 2016. So that was about uh, a, a year and a half after I originally finished vet school. And that's a, a four year program and I've just finished it. So I've just um, completely finished that up now. And my next job starts in January and that's going to be as a medical science liaison for a, a human pharma company. So for uh, AbbVie, which are one of the um, biggest global uh, pharmaceutical companies. Um, and the medical science liaison role is a, a kind of role where uh, you, you're a relative expert within the company on a specific disease and a specific drug or multiple drugs. And you kind of liaise with people outside of the company on unpublished clinical trial, trial data. So usually that's uh, doctors, consultants, other sort of, sorts of people that might have an interest in unpublished uh, trial data. Amazing, thank you. Congratulations on finishing your PhD as well. Oh, thank you. Um, what did you enjoy about working as a vet and what do you enjoy now about kind of working in like the medical kind of profession and are there many similarities between your previous job in veterinary and your current job now? So what I have always enjoyed the most about being a vet, uh, and I, I forgot to say, I locumed all the way through my PhD. So even though I've been part-time, I've been in practice for you know the last sort of four or five years. What I've always enjoyed the most is uh, communication and the way communication is used. I think that this is something that we, we sort of get told at vet school, particularly in our clinical years, but I know that didn't really dawn on me the sort of importance of it until I actually got into practice. But communication is everything and it's this kind of 
limitless resource that you can improve and develop and, and use um, that, that dr drastically alters the outcome of clinical cases. You know, the way you communicate to an owner a new diagnosis of a complicated medical condition can lead to better compliance with treatments. It can lead to owners making more informed decisions and ultimately makes a difference to animal welfare. So for me, communication and the way we communicate with, with our um, animal owners is, is one of the best things about being a vet. And I also really like the problem solving of the clinical cases. That, that was uh, really fun and having a sort of broad knowledge of a lot of diseases and so on. Um, and also I really enjoyed the ability to work pretty much anywhere um, in the UK, whenever you want really, because unfortunately, because of the sort of employment retention crisis, you can pick up local workers about in any city of the UK that you want to work in. So there's always work available. So those are the things I've enjoyed the most about being a vet. And as for similarities with the other work that I've done or that I'm going to do, I would say that with, with HIV research, when you are troubleshooting things in the lab and you're trying to work out exactly what is going on with something experimental, I guess that is kind of similar to solving a sort of working up a, a complex medical case in practice. And the job I'm going into, the medical science liaison role in pharma, that's definitely got some similarities in that it's a, it's a communication role. So it's all about the way that you communicate with the people that you're talking to. And, and in this case, it's kind of high level scientific conversations with sort of doctors and other people. Uh, whereas in vet practice, it might be more with um, owners, um, but, but the, the principles are the same. You're trying to figure out what's the best way you can distill an important message into a small window of time. And, you know, what you're gonna talk about and in what order and how you're gonna do it to get the maximal sort of beneficial uh, output of that. That's a great response, thank you. Um, so looking back on your time at vet school, do you regret not going st straight into the kind of med medicine kind of career path? Or are you happy that you went through vet school and then are now kind of branching into uh, medicine? So for the sort of human pharma uh, stuff that I am going into, um, usually for this role, for medical science liaison roles, you have to have uh, an MD or a PhD. So I don't know if I could have done it straight out of vet school with a vet degree. Um, I mean, there may be somebody out there that has done it, but generally that's that's not the path. But what I would say is even if I could, I don't think I would have wanted to. I've been very happy with the journey I've taken. I think that when I qualified as a vet, I always quite strongly had it in the back of my mind that I would at the very least do something else as well as be a vet. I didn't just want to, um, you know, for practice to be my, my only job for the rest of my life. I always knew I wanted to do other things. And, um, but regardless of that, I, I sort of thought I kind of owed it to my past self, you know, my 16 year old self that really wanted to be a vet. I owed it to my past self to go into practice and do what I set out to do and, and, you know, just sort of see what it's like to actually you know, be the person making the decisions because it's very different to EMS and, um, you know, rotations when you're actually doing it yourself. So I, I wanted to get out there and get a bit of experience under my belt. And I don't regret that. Uh, and very much enjoyed the, the time that I have had in practice over the last few years, either as a full-time vet or as a locum. Great, thank you. Um, do you think it's common for people to make a career move so early in their careers based on your own experience? Um, I think that I don't think it's that common because I was already 
jumping into a different, you know, a different full-time commitment, the, the PhD, after only a year and a half into my first job, which I don't think is that common. Um, but I think that what is increasingly common is people feeling that they want to try new things or they want to explore potential new career avenues quite early on. Um, just through the conversations that I've had with, you know, lots of friends that have gone into practice, you know, many of them are now, are now five years into practice because we, we graduated in 2015. And very early on, they were, you know, thinking of other possibilities, even if they didn't go through with that, they were just keeping their options open and seeing what was out there. That's great. Thank you. Uh, what are your long term career plans? It's a good question, because I, I find it really hard to. I mean, usually I, I just plan ahead for the next couple of years because I think that anything more than that and you end up setting yourself up for disappointment. Um, so I try not to make you know, two big plans, but I think that at least for the next few years, I, I'm really excited to start the medical science liaison role. I'm really keen to get involved with uh, human pharma uh, in, in immunology. Um, and I think that there's a lot of progressive routes from that so in medical science liaison roles you can progress on to being a kind of medical advisor or a scientific advisor for a pharma company that's one sort of route that I quite enjoy seeing myself go down so that's my provisional plan but um, yeah the, I mean there's lots of things available that the doors are never closed especially with a, a such a versatile degree as the vet degree. Amazing thank you because obviously um, you've gone from veterinary into human pharma, a really interesting kind of choice um, when you've diversified your career. Um, do you see this as a career change of direction or do you see it as a continuation of what you started in your undergrad degree? I see it as a, a bit of a change of direction, definitely. But I don't think I could be doing what I'm doing now and what I'm going on to do uh, if I hadn't have taken the, the vet route initially at least at least for me I mean there are several routes into human pharma but for me I felt that um, the, the, the vet degree I felt made me stand out when I applied for PhDs it made me a kind of quite a different applicant because you don't get many people who are vets um, going into to apply for PhD programs on, on human conditions um, and then you get even fewer still that um, that apply for medical science liaison or human pharma type roles it's, it is quite uncommon so I've been told so I think that um yeah it is a bit of a a bit of a divergence from the original plan but I I definitely needed to have done the vet degree and the PhD to have um come across as the person that I am in the interviews that I had for the the pharma role. Awesome yeah I think it's great that I think the veterinary degree is just such a great platform for so many other different career routes and it just shows that yeah once once you're once you're a vet you can really do anything which um i think a lot of vet students are really kind of they rely on that in a way because they know that if they're not so happy in clinical practice there are a lot more um kind of routes to take in the future absolutely yeah i'm really keen to um to get that message out there because i think that um you know the degree the, the vet degrees they're very good at you know, you know channeling people towards being a very you know competent uh, practicing vet and of course so they so they should be but there are lots of doors that are open I think it's very easy to forget that ultimately you know we're graduating with a, a very high quality professional scientific 
degree um and you know there's just loads of kind of generic options open to people as well if it turns out clinical practice really isn't for them you're ultimately a degree holder you know you've got you've got a good quality quality degree so you can do a lot with that exactly exactly um so just regarding your research at the moment what's your tip what was your typical day as a phd student because i've heard it can be quite solitary but like what has your experience been so this does really depend on what kind of lab you're in and how big it is and and how many other people are there and so on what kind of institute you're in so for me um my lab is relatively big i'm, I'm really lucky that we've got a relatively large group um there's at any one time anywhere between about uh, eight and 12 of us which i guess is sort of medium to big size for a lot of uh, uk labs in academia and uh, the sort of every day for the last four years has been I work roughly Monday to Friday, roughly nine to five, and I go into the lab. Um, the building has uh, something like, I don't know, between 20 and 30 research groups within it across multiple floors, all working on different things. But mostly in my building, we do viruses. So there's lots of groups on working on HIV, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, and now SARS-CoV-2 as well. And um, I, I go and sit at my desk, I check my emails, I sort of plan out what I'm going to do for the day. I might look at the protocols of the experiments I'm going to run, um, kind of lots of admin stuff like that. And then usually I go into the lab in the morning and set some things up and be going in and out of the lab all day, uh, working on those uh, protocols. And then at the end of the day, I usually get some kind of data that's been generated that I can then analyze at my desk or I can take it home on my laptop and analyze it at home. And for me, it's not been particularly isolated because we're a very sociable research group with a lot of members. So there's at least several PhD students, sometimes a couple of master's students on placements, um, lots of postdoc scientists as well. And we often, you know, have lunch together and I'll be discussing some data with one person. I might be teaching a master's student something else. So it's it's been just as sociable really as my my work in practice, if not more sociable, because when I was in my full-time vet job, my, my first job, you know, we had like something like 10 or 15 employees, but you only work with a couple of them at a time and certain people are working branch and so on. Whereas in this building, there's a couple of hundred people. So there's lots of people to talk with and collaborate with. Um, and then the evening and weekend work is a bit more solitary because with your research, usually you'll set experiments up and sometimes they fall at unsociable hours and you just go in and do the work as it needs to be done. So mostly that's in core hours, but as the PhD progresses, usually you start to do a lot more work because you want to get as much data as possible for the writing the thesis. So certainly in my final year of the, of the PhD, the, the fourth year, I was working, um, you know, Saturdays, Sundays all the time. I was coming in at random times in the evening, you know, 10, 11, 12 at night, really not much different from working out of hours as a vet, except a lot more predictable. So you know exactly which hours you'll be in and for how long. And that was always very quiet. You know, it's usually just me, no one else around and everybody out of hours is on their own schedule. But for the most part of the PhD, it's been kind of core hours in a very sociable environment, but it will depend on how big your research group is, how big your institute is and so on. That's really interesting, thank you. Um, do you think that there's an adequate range of research, research opportunities in the veterinary field? And when you decided you wanted to intercalate, were you no longer interested in kind of animal related research or did the opportunities just not present themselves at the time? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I think that no one would 
dispute that there is a, an awful lot more funding for human conditions than there are for uh, veterinary conditions or for veterinary research. Um, so, you know, that's that's certainly true. But I think there are lots of research opportunities for people that want to get involved in veterinary research. You know, there's some really good places in the UK where you can do that or you can, you know, work on something that also affects sort of humans and, and animals. Uh, for me, with my research project on the intercalated degree, I deliberately chose a project that would have me based in the main um, School of Medical Sciences in Bristol, because I wanted to kind of branch out from the vet school. You know, I'd, I'd done three years of vet school already. I was going to do two more. I wanted to see what, you know, other kind of fields looked like. And I think that that's a, a really good thing because it, it shows that, you know, you can, you know, on your CV, it shows you somebody that is, is able to step out of the comfort zone and go into a new environment and and you know do well at that. Um, so for me, it was, it was a really positive thing to do that. And a lot of the skills are very very you know cross applicable. So the, the sort of techniques that someone studies a human virus with are absolutely applicable to studying a, a veterinary virus. So um, yeah, there's, there's opportunities in both. But I think that human diseases and human research is always uh, a lot better funded so that there are just more opportunities out there but having said i was still open to the possibility of a veterinary phd it's just i was most interested in hiv really that was what, what i really wanted to work on awesome that's great regarding your current research uh, where do you see it going in the future so the current research, I, after finishing my PhD just a month ago, I've, I've stayed in the lab to kind of finish the work up. So I'm still employed by my supervisor and I'm kind of working as a temporary postdoc just for a couple of months. Um, and I think that if I work hard enough, I can get most of the research that I've done over the last four years written up and then published, um, you know, so submitted to journals. Um, and... I think that there is scope for some of that work to be continued by other people in future, but the, I think the hardest thing in the world is convincing the wider scientific community that what you've done is important and should be continued because everybody feels so passionately about their own research and their own project. And it will really be up to people of the future if, if they read what I've done and they think it's interesting enough to keep going on it. But at least in the short term, I am going to be hopefully publishing a couple more papers on everything I've done in my PhD, just to kind of wrap that up. Fantastic, thank you. Is it easy to get funding for research? Is it from the government or is it private pharma companies? And are there like lots of research grants out there? So for funding for research, um, so they, they come from all sorts of places and there, there is some government funding. Um, a, lot of, a lot of research in the UK has historically been funded by grants from the EU, um, but also uh, lots of sources in the US like the NIH and the uh, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, places like those. So that's where a lot of the money ultimately comes from. And in terms of actual funding for PhD places, which usually funds like um, the research costs, but then also like living costs and, and so on, so that you can actually survive while you're doing your PhD. Sometimes those come from um, the universities themselves. So my kind of studentship at Oxford was funded by the Nuffield Department of Medicine. It's their own like internal studentship. But also there's like the Medical Research Council, the MRC and the Wellcome Trust, and they sponsor 
PhD places uh, all over the UK as well. So there's there's lots of sources, and sometimes you don't entirely know where all your money is even coming from, at least on a PhD. But in terms of the the, the big funds that the the sort of group leaders are applying for, they can be from sources often often you know all over the world and from all sorts of different um, charities and so on. That's great, thank you. And just to bring this episode to a close, um, a lot of vet students complete a third year research project and some will go on to do kind of extra studentships for EMS. Um, how do you think this benefits the average vet practitioner? And if you were to go back to third year, is there any particular project that you would choose? That's a really interesting question. So I think that for, if you're in general practice, and as an undergraduate vet student, you did like a summer research placement in a lab somewhere, uh, and then you intercalated and you did a research project or an intercalation. I think that one benefit that can give is it can just make you better at understanding scientific literature. It makes you uh, better equipped to dissect a paper. So if somebody in practice tells you something, as people often do, you know, they pass things on as word of mouth, like, you know, this drug is superior to that drug for this condition, or, you know, this surgical technique has a slightly better outcome. You can go and you can look among the literature and you can kind of appraise the papers a little bit better because you've had maybe a bit more kind of research experience to do that. So that's one benefit I can think of for the, you know, the general practicing vet. Um, other than that, I mean, there's not always immediate direct benefits because if you've done a very nitty gritty basic science research project on something really small and obscure in cells or something molecular, of course, it's not gonna be particularly directly relevant to what you do in practice. But what I can say is it will definitely broaden your horizons. Um, it will make you more aware of what is going on out there in, in veterinary and human research. And it'll look really good on your CV in case you ever one day do decide to diversify your career and do something else like certainly if I hadn't have intercalated I think I really would have struggled to get my PhD position and then everything you know leads to everything else so it all had a knock-on effect even if it wasn't directly beneficial and you know entirely to being a general practitioner but I think that with these things they they don't require too much time investment to get a lot out of them a summer research project can be like 12 weeks of your time and it can be such a, a really interesting investment for your future you know you never know what you might end up using that for down the line amazing thank you so much um matt for coming on and doing and and being interviewed today a really fantastic thank you fantastic insight into your um journey and diversifying something that i've never really heard of before but it's great to know that there are so many opportunities available for us if we change our mind halfway through. <laughs> Absolutely. Fantastic, thank you. I'd like to say a big thank you to you for listening and for all your support. Don't forget to check out the IVSA Liverpool Facebook page for updates on new episodes and feel free to drop us a question if you have any. If you are enjoying the IVSA Livecast, please subscribe and share with all your friends. Thank you.